Welcome back, everyone. My name is Nick Lundberg, and this is the Sports Roundtable, your end-of-the-week sports update on all things Michigan State. We are live from Impact Station at Holden Hall with Carter, who's a sports contributor at Impact. How are we doing today, Carter? Good. How about you, Nick? Pretty good. Pretty good. So let's just jump right into it um, before we talk about that god-awful loss um, this past weekend for football. Let's get into some of the other sports. Um, we had women's soccer beat Purdue 3-1 over the weekend, a bright spot for Michigan State. With the, with the win, they moved to 7-1-3 and on the season. And I wanted to shout out Justina Gaynor, who was named Drawer Soccer National Team of the Week honorable mention after she scored a pretty beautiful goal on Sunday um, to help beat Purdue. And, Carter, what are your thoughts? Um, women's soccer, I mean, obviously they look good this year. Uh, the offseason, they had a great – I mean, they had a great season last year. The offseason coming into this year, there was a lot of hype. They, you know, first-time coach last year um, – Jeff Hostler. Jeff Hostler, yeah, did a phenomenal job with the team last year, and it's definitely carrying over into this year. They're seven, one, and three, and I'm very excited to see how they do the rest of the year. Yeah, we, I cover for the state news women's soccer, and so I've been with the team all year, and it seems like, especially, obviously, I, I, I really think Jeff Hostler is that guy. Like he's, I, I didn't, I coming into the season, I did not know he was a second year coach because he talks like he's a ten year vet. But he's just—he's a great coach, in my opinion. But whenever the team seems to, it, there's a trend this year where the team will—they'll have a really good stretch. They'll play a scoreless draw like they did at Oakland and they did at Iowa two games ago, and then they'll just come right back out and just—and then just sweep the next couple opponents and play very, very beautiful soccer. So that's just—it's—it was good to see them come bounce back. Against uh, against Purdue after a draw at Iowa, so we'll see what happens for them down the road of the season. But the other soccer team had a big win last night. They after drawing after they started the season pretty you know pretty just not good in general. They drew one to one at number sixteen IU last Friday, um, and then yesterday they beat or excuse me Tuesday they beat Michigan to win the Big Bear Trophy after losing five of the last six games. No, it was a huge win for them, and obviously for a team that has had their ups and downs this year. Uh, seeing the excitement at DeMartin last night was absolute, or the or the other night was absolutely uh, really fun to see. And um, I'm hoping that uh, we'll continue this momentum into you know the heart of the Big Ten schedule. I mean, we have St. Mary's coming up as well, kind of thrown in there. But um, as we get into the heart of the year, getting that win against Michigan is for sure is, is hopefully a kickstarter for them. Yeah, after the losing the last five of the six games against them. This year, it seemed like they had something to prove coming out in the game. They scored in the first eight minutes from Mercer, and then they scored in the last eight minutes to close it out from Stout. And the goalie, Owen Finnerty, actually transferred from Michigan to MSU to play this year, and he had a clean sheet. And so I, I know it must have felt good for him, but seeing pictures of DeMartin just absolutely packed out Kind of made me wish I was there last or a couple nights ago. I I was mad that I saw that they won and I didn't show up um, because it looked it looked pretty live. It looked fun. Yeah, and even just being there in the student section would have been amazing because they were going absolutely nuts, rushing the field afterward, and yeah, just huge win for men's soccer. Yeah, it was much needed this year. They moved to three, four, and two on the season. They'll face Wisconsin, truly going into Big Ten play um, at home at Demartin on Sunday. And this team seems to be turning a corner, but we'll just we have just have to wait and see how they do going through Big Ten play. 
Um, but moving on to volleyball, after a very good start from Leah Johnson, the first-year head coach, um, after Kathy George retired last year, they started 9-2 and two on the year, but the last couple of games they faltered a little bit, losing to number 3 Nebraska and Rutgers on the road. Uh, tough matches to start Big Ten play, um, but they'll continue their four-game road stretch tonight at Maryland. Um, hopefully they can... I feel like they need to take at least one of these games, these next two on the road, Big Ten play to truly get like keep their foot on the pedal this season. Yeah, and I mean they you know, you look at the record, they are nine and four at the moment, but you know, their best win is probably either Navy or VCU and you know, they lost to North Carolina, Duke, and now that we're getting into Big Ten play, they start off with two straight losses. So yeah, as we keep going through and seasons really getting into full swing here. It'll be interesting to see how, you know, if they're able to, you know, match up to, you know, the Big Ten competition. And it's always interesting with new, with first-year head coaches because um, to see them do well, like we saw this with Mel Tucker last year, even though it was his second year, to see them do well with not maybe not all of their guys there yet, and we're going to talk about that with football too, um, especially this week, but um, to see volleyball do well with basically all of Kathy George's players um, under Leah Johnson – it's kind of a testament to how I wouldn't I maybe am speaking a little too soon, but how good of a hire it is because to do that well, I mean, they haven't really had a true test yet besides they've lost like they lost the ACC road trip, they lost to Nebraska and Rutgers. They haven't so they haven't really won a true true test yet, but to see them do well or at least beat the opponents they should beat with basically her kind of just figuring out things as she goes is very promising, and I hope that um, she can keep it up for the team's sake. Because, and especially since they're moving back to Breslin, because they're gonna get they're getting a lot of hype. And if to make a move like that to come from Jenison, which is kind of you know the old old school old style stadium, um, everyone knows they're there to kind of the Breslin, the newer, more hype around the team around the move, and just to have them kind of keep that excitement going being a good team playing in a new place is always good for the sport of MSU volleyball and the school. Absolutely. And with, you know, when you are beating the teams that you're supposed to be and losing to the teams that, you know, are more decent, it's not the worst, you know, position to be in because if you are losing to the teams you're not supposed to be, that's, you know, where you're really in trouble. So, you know, there's definitely still potential with this team and I'm excited to where, you know, this is definitely a solid jumping-off point, and in the seasons to come, hopefully volleyball can build off this and become a true Big Ten powerhouse. And moving on to basketball, um, their season's starting to ramp up as they started practicing this week. For men specifically, we have a couple injuries early on, which to a team that's already pretty, I would say, skinny rotation-wise is not a good start. But Malik Hall has a toe injury that Izzo said would keep him out for about a week, and I'm not really worried about that too much but what I am worried about is Jane Nakins who we heard about a couple weeks two weeks ago he sustained an injury that they would they said originally would be a stress strain not a fracture but a stress strain as I I think it is but they said he would be about for about three weeks and that was two weeks ago and then Izzo just came out and said that he's going to be out for another month which is kind of concerning considering he's only a sophomore and he still has a lot of developing to do in his game and the fact that he relies so much on his athleticism to, you know, to hit for his game is a little concerning. Obviously, he had a great year last year, but this year is my, you know, I'm expecting him to kind of have an A.J. Hogard type year like he had last year where, he, you know, kind of stepping up, becoming the dog of the team. 
But yeah, the injury situation definitely little worrisome. But I, you know, Malik Hall, he's out for a week. He should be fine. You know, he's probably the closest thing we have to someone who could be a you know a star in the conference this year. You know, he does. From to me, he does it all. So hopefully, everything's fine with him. And Jay Nakins, if he's healthy, I think this is his year. We saw so many explosive plays from him last year where you just went, okay, this kid can play. Yeah, like, he can droppers. fly. Yeah. I mean, some of those like almost dunks, some of those blocks he had, you know, chase downs. Yeah. I, I mean, they, he, he had Breslin in shock mode quite a bit last year. He did. And for his size, for that amount of bounce he has is pretty, pretty insane. But hopefully he gets better soon and we can see more of those dunks as and when the year starts. And I really want to see him take, like you said, an AJ Hogard type from last year type, uh, leap in his game because we know the athleticism's there we know his bounce is there but the thing and we saw parts of his game like develop through our own eyes like he became more confident in his jumper dribbling passing just I want to see him build more on those parts of his game because we know that he plays great defense he's all always all over the ball and he can jump out of the gym but I want to see more of development passing wise in the offense shooting and just kind of just some things that he doesn't have to rely on his athleticism for. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, you know, a thin rotation. I mean, Izzo's looking at a eight- or nine-man rotation without any injuries. So once, you know, injuries start cutting in, you know, probably around midseason, I think we'll be struggling to field guys. You might even have to bring in, you know, some other, like some of the football team, you know, so something exactly. like that. I mean, Keon Coleman and Malik Carr might actually, you know, get to see some significant playing time this year if – injury bug sticks with state this year yeah because we definitely don't have a lot of bodies he uh Izzo mentioned that Carson Cooper he's freshman coming in this year he was originally planning on redshirting him um but since the kind of the lack of bodies which has been the offseason that was a highly contended uh philosophy from Izzo was to not really dig into the transfer portal for any big men but and that might come back to bite him this year with, I mean, two injuries early on. I mean, Malik is, he's more, I feel, I think they're moving him more to a three, the three spot this year. But who knows, they could have him with the lack of, if, like, let's say Madi or Jackson Kohler gets injured, two guys are going to play big minutes at the big the big spots. You can, you can Malik Hall has that versatility to move him down, but if these guys are injured and you have a lack of bodies, it's pretty, It's it can be concerning, but we'll see how the season plays out. It's still very early, so there's a lot of speculation can be made, but nothing set in stone. And the Big Ten has a lot of good bigs still in the league that are, you know, Hunter Dickinson, Zach Eady are still very much here. So that'll be a hole in the the game that hopefully Izzo can rectify somehow before the season starts. Yeah, the gauntlet, as someone like to say. But moving on to another winter sport, hockey is also getting going. Um and I want to talk about how their first-year head coach, Adam Nightingale, has been doing very well recent on the recruiting trail. Uh, recently, he just landed Riley Patterson from the North York Rangers. Um, he flipped a Michigan goalie commit a couple weeks ago. Uh, Munn, the arena, the renovations are finally done. It's state-of-the-art. Um, I had people, friends at the State News Go cover and from other places and telling me just... I, I went actually went in there for... I worked the BTN... I worked the Akron game, and we were catered food at Munn, and we walked in, 
and before it was like really done and we saw them working out and I just thought this is man this is such I don't know if you've gotten the chance to check it out yet I saw a couple photos online I have not checked it out in person but it looks sick it's beautiful it 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 really seems like it is NHL state of the art like just training facilities when you walk in it's like kind of like the Breslin Center how it shows off all like the history of Michigan State hockey and Pat, recent history hasn't been kind to Michigan State hockey but I really think that with this hire of Nightingale, he's kind of. It seems like he's turning a corner, at least through recruiting, because no one was this excited, at least in my, in my opinion, past few years about Dan Cole being at the helm and just the season in general. Even though we, it's kind of like football. We came off like a terrible season, like last year, and just like kind of like two years ago with MSU football, and then all of this hype just because one. The coach is just garnering so much recruiting hype, and you can do a lot through that. And just there's a lot of excitement throughout the program, and there's a reason to have cautious optimism because the team's still really like obviously with any first year head coach, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, but there is good reason to be excited about the future um, of MSU hockey with Coach Nightingale. Yeah, and I think there is kind of a interesting parallel between the big three sports that MSU are now: hockey, basketball, and football. The feelings going into this season, you know, and the feeling for football right now is kind of, you know, it's lukewarm, but the future looks very bright. Like Izzo's got quite a few recruits coming in 2023, 2024. Tucker, you know, all the hype is about how he's been recruiting for those classes and how they're going to come in and do some damage. And now hockey, you know, they're following suit, hired a new coach and, you know, recruiting's, you know, taken off. And hopefully, yeah, we have a really competitive hockey team in a couple of years. And then they have an exhibition this weekend um, against the U.S. National Development Team program, in which I believe is where Nightingale came from. So it'll be interesting to see how those guys play against his guys now at Michigan State. So that's that's kind of a cool little exhibition game. But for sure, going into talking about football, I just wanted, do we have to? Yeah, do we I, really have to? <laughs> I, I think we do, but we, we we definitely do, unfortunately. But I wanted to mention something. We were talking about this on the way here. I never leave games. Like, I love to stay, stick it out as a true fan. But after that first quarter last week, I, I, I had to leave. I couldn't. I just, I couldn't take it. It was just too, it was, it was too ugly. Yeah, I have a halftime rule, and I think I would have broke it had I not been in the press box and I had to stay the whole game. But, yeah, there was quite a few points in the third and fourth quarter where I was just like, can I just leave and get out of here? It this was is, I would have felt the this, same way. This is terrible. You know, at least I was warm inside and I wasn't out there in the cold with everyone else, so that was definitely a plus. But, yeah, it was re- re- just like just you just feel defeated afterward. Yeah. Like you just don't have any answers. You just don't know what to think. All the, your U of M friends are clowning on you. Exactly. And you just have no defense. You just got to take it. It's, it. It sucks. Yeah, it does because you're coming off a very tough loss to Washington who it was on the road. So that game, I give a little more leeway than this game for obvious reasons, but because Washington, they had more skill on the outside. It was on the road. It was after a win because usually, you know, after a loss, teams, at least good teams, bounce back. On the um, road way out west, too. Exactly. The time change and everything. This time around, you're at home against a familiar foe and a Big Ten opponent. They don't have their top wide receiver, Chris Ottman-Bell. And it just it was the same thing against Washington, but except the only difference was the offense was worse this time around. I mean, when I was from what I watched live, 
it was the same thing. We couldn't get off the field um, on third down, as that's been a problem throughout the past two years with Hazleton, and we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about our opinions on him in a minute. Roy but Scotty. the defense couldn't get off the field on third down. They run the soft coverage, of course. Again, just doesn't seem to ever work. Couldn't get a pass rush. I read something about Jacoby Whitman. He talked to the media and he said that he did not expect Tanner Morgan to get out of the pocket and run as much as he did. And so I feel like that's kind of telling to the way they got ready for the game. Um, and then they're, they allowed 100 yards on the ground from their running back. I believe he had like two touchdowns as well. But all, all overall defensively just was very, very ugly. The one thing Hazleton said that I you know, somewhat agree with and gives me some hope you know, is that it's a lot of little things adding up to a big thing. And we can go in and fix all those things. Because I, I still think there is potential with this team. And obviously the defense is dealing with injuries sustained early on. And I again, I'm not convinced that that's not a conditioning issue, especially with all the cramping we saw week one. So I, I think the off season just prepare, you know, preparation coming into this year. I don't know was at you know, where is where it should be at. And I, I mean, th- this week we came in after a big loss against Washington. I, I would think that we would have been humbled a little bit more and like, okay, we got to buckle down and win this. But I didn't get that feeling. It was more just kind of like, oh, we're gonna go out. They just and were out there. Like, they, they, they were just out there. You know, like, they had the same confidence they did against Washington, which I, I thought they were a little overconfident coming into the Washington game. Like, oh, we're going to win this, get, you know, get their butts whooped. And then they come back and now, get, you know, get their butts whooped at home against Minnesota. And Minnesota's, you know, decent team, but we should be beating them. Yeah, it's for sure. That score, 34 to 7, is just not, not acceptable. And it's not even indicative of how bad the game was. That should have been a sixty to nothing game, honestly. Yeah, that was it was it was just <laughs> not pretty. But um moving over to the offensive side of things, it was just it was even worse than at I some of these stat lines are just just I can't I don't even want to say I, like, I, I was live tweeting the game and at the end I had to post a final with like the players' stats and I'm going through typing Peyton Thorne's like yardage and Jarek Broussard's yard and I'm like, Oh my god, this is 23 yards? Oh, my God. Your lead receiver is Cade McDonald with 31 yards. And you had Jaden Reed back. How is that possible? That's just unacceptable. I mean, McDonald, no no offense offense to him, but he, he, going into the season, he wasn't even on the top five of the depth chart receiving-wise. And now you've got him in there as your lead receiver with your first home Big Ten game, your first Big Ten game of the year. That's just it's 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 not acceptable for a team that wants to it has the expectations that it has. And then coming in another thing I want to say is that I really don't understand the coming out with Jarek Broussard as your running back one because I think that his role and I haven't really seen this from the offense this year is him catching passes out of the backfield and basically he's not the shiftiest player but he runs he's a, he's small but he runs like he's six six, he just he likes to just run over people, and when you're putting him in a position where you have three like huge defensive linemen in his face when you just run him up the gut, it's not going to go anywhere because the offensive line this year hasn't looked good either. They haven't gotten any push. They haven't really had any push against Washington or Minnesota to create those holes they were in the first two games for Berger and Brassard, and that's how where all their stats from this year came from. But I really think that. Even though Berger's younger than Broussard and he has less experience, I think that it's smarter to go with him because 
I feel like he's just the more complete back for at least the first and second down because throwing like I just I want to see them use Broussard in a different way because it hasn't been working how they've been using him this year. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you on making Berger the number one back. And the thing with Jarek Broussard, he, if when I watch him, for some reason, he reminds me of Matt Forte. I'm, I'm a Bears fan, and what was Matt Forte? A pass catcher, yeah. like first and foremost. So. Yeah, you're dead on. They they should be using him more, you know, in the backfield and when they want to, you know, option out for a screen or something like that. And yeah, their offense, it's they're not doing anything. It's no. there's no game plan. And the, all all I heard this week, you know, more on the defensive side, but every you know excuse I heard from the coaches was like, oh, we weren't expecting them to do that, or oh, our game plan didn't match up. But like, even if your game plan doesn't match up. You got to change that on the fly on game day. You can't just you know first quarter. Oh, our game plans don't match up. Well, we'll try again next week. No, you get you got to yeah. change it up. You got to do something about it. You got to you know make you know changes on the fly. Mel Tucker, I great recruiter, and obviously I still have full confidence. But his coat, his on the field coaching is beginning to worry me just a tad. Yeah, it's similar to kind of how the Lions play um I, I don't know if we've had any Lions fans but different but similar like new head coaches bringing all this hype and then you've got they're on the field coaching offensively last year it was great I mean but Kenneth Walker did make that a lot easier for Jay Johnson um the, I've, I feel like the play calling is still good it's just the defensive development from the secondary over the offseason and then the lack of development from Thorne and my like from last year to this year, and just the way the lack of I mean, besides Keon Coleman, um, I can't really think of anyone who's really taken that jump. I mean, maybe you can mention Spencer Brown, who showed a little like showed a little bit last year and has come in and done I feel like a pretty solid job this year. But the only one who's really taken a jump because the biggest thing with Thorne was his decision making, and this year he has around more than five interceptions. He's around six or seven, I believe. That's the one thing people wanted to see get better from him was his decision-making and just hasn't been there this year. And the only person you can really say that has developed from last year to this year is Keon Coleman, Um, and we didn't really see him last game. So it's just it's kind of concerning the way the the on-field, like you said, the game management is going because they said, at least in the Washington game, they made, like, at halftime, they made adjustments, which obviously didn't work but a defensive side but it just seems like they came out there at least last week and the week before just and just were shell-shocked about just they couldn't stop him and they it, it didn't look like they were really trying to stop him either and like the game wasn't totally out of reach until the second half I obviously at the at halftime it was like you know pretty much give up mode but you felt the sense of give up kind of at the end of the first quarter. Like, mm-hmm. they were just like, oh, we're overmatched today. And it, it, it was really difficult to watch if you are a Spartan fan. Yeah, just the, the keep chopping. There wasn't a lot of chopping done. But I do want I'm to – I'm a pretty optimistic person, and I believe that once Tucker really gets his guys throughout the high school ranks in here, that I feel like real change will come. But right now – the thing I'm concerned because I'm more concerned than I usually am with that performance because he has this. It seems like he has this kind of D'Antonio trust in the coaching staff, and Hazelton, like you said, mentioned that the team is close, like just little things that you got to clean up. But 
you got to show me, like, in one of these games, like, I obviously Ohio State, that's a very, very, very difficult test, um, which I doubt that will show me anything. But, like, you got to show it against Wisconsin. You got to at least show up against Michigan because they're obviously not Ohio State. That can be contested, but I don't think that they're on the Ohio State level. I think like, you got to show me at least against Wisconsin. You got to show me there's something different. Wisconsin, we definitely have to make that a competitive game at the very least. And if we go out against Maryland and do the same thing we did against Washington and Minnesota, like I don't know that I'll watch another game. There's a year. there's a good chance that happens. I know. I wanted to get into it because their QB, tell t- you know, to his brother. Yes, to his brother. <laughs> um, Talking about Loa. He's questionable, and so is I believe he's their top receiver, Rakeem Jarrett. Um, yep. They, I saw that on Twitter last night that they're that they will be game time decisions, game day decisions. Yeah, yeah. so that's gonna be that's a little, and I mean the that's concerning because the past few times it's like they've talked about like their lack of preparation has been there. So I kind of am concerned that if these guys are out or even in, how are they game planning for who's gonna be there and what's gonna what's gonna go on, especially on the road too. And Maryland is three and one, and they just. Gave they gave Michigan a good test on the road, um, absolutely. But with you know to his brother and and Jarrett out there, but I just it's concerning. It's and and, to, and he didn't even play the final drive against the Michigan game. He wanted to come back in, but you know he was still a little hurt. So if he because he felt a hundred, he says he feels a hundred percent. And the funny thing is, I saw on Twitter like the coach said like, oh, I think my injury update was you know is along the standard of other Big Ten coaches. So I think some people were a little like. Okay, like you're really gonna say he's a game day decision, like because they're. I think they're just trying to mess with you know, yeah. mess with the game. You know, MSU's game plan a little bit. So they're probably both gonna play, especially since. So yeah, he he. It seems like he's gonna play for sure. Yeah, he's he's pretty he's pretty special. He has a good arm too. So I mean, if MSU wants to you know make a good bowl game this year or at least a respectable one, I feel like this is a must win. They're coming in. The line for Maryland is currently. At the time of this recording, minus seven. So we'll see how that swings for all you betters out there. But game in Maryland, only seven. Yeah, that's our past two games. That was a little, I feel like that's a little generous. But with with these injuries, you know, who knows? If you are into sports gaming out there, look out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. This might be a little, this might be a little bit of a trap, trap bet game. But yeah, just, I feel like this is just a must win for. Yeah, and you talking about them getting a good bowl game, you might be getting a little ahead of yourself. Making mm-hmm. a bowl game might be the goal at, you know, coming up. Because yeah. you you want to say, oh, you know, we can still maybe get the 6-6. Six and six. Look at the schedule. Where are we going to get four more wins with tough. Maryland, Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Michigan all coming up? Very tough October stretch for sure. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, in, it's in Tucker's hands, so... We'll in, see. In Tuck we trust. Exactly. In Tuck we trust. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But that's about all the time we have today. Thank you, Carter, for coming on. It was great. Chopping for sure. It thanks up for with having you. me. And thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next Friday for another edition of Sports Roundtable. Peace out.